know, you're heading home, whatever, you're stopping, you're getting some bananas to fuel your ride. You're getting chocolate milk when it's over with. You're getting some fried chicken. I love your fried chicken. I mean, it could be any, you know, there's so much to offer there, but chocolate milk is just that perfect, easy thing to help you refuel um, at the end of a day of, of hard work. You're listening to The Quick Cast. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome into the QuickCast, the official podcast of Quick Trip. My name is Chris Calloway, and I am joined today by Bill Koch, the executive director and founding partner of Midwest Cycling Series. But you might know that better as the Quick Trip Tour of America's Dairyland coming up here in June in our beautiful state of Wisconsin. Bill, good morning, and welcome on to the QuickCast. Chris, thank you so much for having me. I, am, I, I never thought this day would arrive, and now it's finally here. And uh, I was elated to see all those chocolate milks on your background, your virtual background, even though they're not real, or I'd reach out and try to grab one or two of them. But I'm super happy to have to be on this uh, podcast with you. I do have a real chocolate milk here, too. I heard you're a big fan, and uh, it's a big part of cycling in a way. And we'll, we'll get to that coming up in a little bit. But first, the Quick Trip Tour of America's Dairyland is coming up June 15th through the 25th. 11 days of racing over 11 different locations in Southeast Wisconsin coming up here on the 14th year. Is it kind of crazy to believe that you've been at this now for about a decade and a half? It is. And the craziest thing is my daughter is 14. She'll be 15 in June or in June in October. I'm sorry. And uh, so she has grown up with the uh, quick trip tour of America's Dairyland right by my side since she was in a bassinet on year one to now she works the races full time. So take me back then to 2009 when your daughter was just very little. Uh, how did, the, how did the, the series start? How did the Tour of America's Dairyland start uh, get on the schedule and kind of been brought to life? Sure, Chris, thanks for asking that question. So there, was, uh, there were a couple of uh, local uh, uh, bike aficionados who were really into putting on bike races and, and trying to do more in the in the community in and around Milwaukee, actually. And they started a race in Grafton. Um, there was also an existing series that we probably would not be in existence if it had not been for Super Week. Super Week started in 1969, I want to say, and global acclaim. At one point in time, I think there was as many as 18 days. Anyway, they were kind of falling down on their luck a little bit at that point in time. So this guy put on uh, a race on a Saturday in Grafton. The following year in 2008, uh, Sheboygan joined and they had a weekend race. And a bunch of us got together with the two race promoters there in Sheboygan and Grafton and said, hey, let's start something that's a little bit bigger, maybe five or six days. Um, so we targeted 2009 for that. Um, by the time we really got into the planning process, we had several other, other events that had been a part of Super Week that said, hey, we'd like to join in whatever you're doing because of the background and history in bike racing that my partners, Tom Schuler and Bill Ockowitz, uh, had in the, uh, in the industry. So within a short order of time, we had nine races in 11 days in our first year. That was 2009. And then we've pretty much been at 11 races ever since, uh, with the exception, of course, of 2020, when... We were event-free for obvious reasons. Sure. So you get up to 11 races, and I'm sure it looks a little bit different 
today than it did in 2009 and just in terms of the scale and the scope of how it's all put together but uh how did it come to be known as kind of a, a giant block party there uh well i think that was always the intention but when we first started and i will admit i was one of those i just you know the whole idea of putting on a bike race and having some really big name pros come to town was fun but we have a very unique setup in that we uh, basically are the hired band or the circus that comes to town. So these communities hire us. We, we ask them for money. We bring the bike race in a box. And it really was sort of the piece of entertainment surrounded by this community party or this massive block party. Sometimes we call it block party on steroids, but you know, you can't use steroids in bike racing. So you're not supposed to at least. Um, so, we've really focused more and more every year the fact that these are just amazing community events and it can be really whatever the community wants it to be so we take care of the bike race we bring the announcers we bring the racers we bring the prize purse we bring the sponsors we bring the staging the fencing we do all of that other stuff and then we really want all 11 of these communities to do something that's unique says this is grafton this is De Pere, this is Janesville, you know, on and on and on, depending on the community we're in. But uh, so it really is. That's that's really the centerpiece of it all is this this amazing community block party. And it's 500 pro and amateur racers from around the world on the starting line each day, over a thousand racers total. Is the logistics of that, I mean, how is that all managed? How do you get from one place to the next how do you kind of keep that many people going over the course of 11 days i mean what are some of the bigger challenges of the 11 day event like that yeah well it's all about staffing right you've got you do have 450 to 500 sometimes on a on a big weekend day like downer avenue on the east side of milwaukee ravengraft and we could have upwards of 700 racers that day because they're just popular venues but you really need a good crew and a good group of people that knows how to get there early in the morning. We arrive three hours before race start. We make sure the roads are closed, really buttoned up two hours before the race starts. The racing gets underway. And then within 90 minutes after the race is over, we've cleaned up the course. I like to walk the course in the dark with my yellow vest on and look for any goo packets or something that might be left behind on the street. And then we leave the town cleaner than it was when we got there and we move on to the next day. Um, so the racers follow us. They like to stay in a central point and travel each day to the race location. Uh, sometimes they'll stay in a hotel if it's further away, like say we'll be in Manitowoc and then to Pier uh, back to back days. So a lot of people will stay up in that neck of the woods. Um, but yeah, it's the logistics of it is, um, can be a bit daunting at times, but you know, we've been doing this for 14 years now. It's, uh, it's, I wouldn't say I could do it in my sleep, but <laughs> pretty close. And so 11 different days, you mentioned you wanted each community to kind of bring a, a unique flair, a unique element to all of the different, uh, stages there. So we've got Janesville, East Troy, Grafton, so on. What are some of the, the elements there that stand out to you that make some of those particular ones unique? I think there's two things. First of all, in terms of around the course, uh, the activities that happen, the planned activities, whether it be kids' face uh, paintings, whether it be food vendors, 
convincing the bars and restaurants that are on the course, the coffee shops to bring their game out on the sidewalk, you know, extension of premise for people to have liquor licenses. Um, sometimes they'll have a corn roast guy that might be there, or they'll have a climbing wall that gets delivered on one of the corners of the course on the outside of the course. Um, so all the more they can do there, a lot of times there are churches that are in the middle of the course they'll generally schedule something to happen to attract families to come and, and do something and be involved in that they're in grafton for instance there's a fire station that's trapped in the middle of the course so they move their fire trucks outside just in case there's an emergency and then they put bouncy houses and things like that inside the fire station and around the fire station in the driveway again to attract families to come by and, and take part in the day uh, and then the other part of it is what we call the community hour. And that's generally anywhere from 40 minutes to 70 minutes long, depending on the community again, and what they have planned, that's placed between the two pro events near the end of the day. So those two events, naturally they're after five o'clock, weekends is a little bit different, but so that's when most people can come out and watch the races and enjoy the other things that are going on. So we plant this community hour in there and probably 90% of our venues have kids races. And there are anywhere from 100 to close to 500 kids coming down the street in heats on all kinds of bikes. I mean, <laughs> it's the wildest scene ever. Uh, you just, it's amazing to watch. Um, there's the slowest bike race that happens uh, where, you know, the last person across the line wins. There's mascot races. Um, there's been races where there are adult tricycles um, pulling a, an empty beer keg that has liquid smoke coming out of the bunghole. And it's just anything and everything. There's a fat bike race. Uh, Wheel and Sprocket here in town puts on something called the Fatterium. And it's actually they're going to do it in De Pere and Manitowoc as well this year. And so people on fat bikes and mountain bikes just get a chance to ride around the course. A lot of them are in costume. The one that Wheel and Sprocket does, it's actually a Hammerschlagen thing. So when they cross the finish line each lap, they have to get off their bike, grab the hammer, try to hit the nail into the stump, and then get on their bike and take off again. So it's just fun ways to engage. It's fun figure out other ways to put people on a bicycle in a different way. We haven't had unicycle races yet, but it's been on our radar. <laughs> I can imagine not everybody's as adept as riding a unicycle as one with two wheels, but that would be uh, that'd be quite the event there. So. The kind of the structure of the day, then you mentioned the professional racers go on a little bit later, kids start in the morning, kind of what's the time frame of the day? When do people compete? Can you kind of take me through a typical day schedule there? Yeah, it's uh, so we race, there are usually eight to 10 races a day. Um, and we have a so many different series. We have a four day hand cycle series where we have para athletes that show up and power their bikes with their arms. And it's just, it's an amazing thing to see. That's just four days long. On the other side of the schedule, there's a five-day junior series where there are kids as young as nine years old. And I think the junior age limit is 18, racing their bikes in their own races as well, or within some of the adult races. So we'll start about 10.30 or 11 in the morning. It was one of our first races. Depending on the category, it will be as short as 25 minutes and the pro women and the pro men race for 75 minutes. Um, and then there's 10 minute gaps in between. It gives us a chance to 
get everybody off the course from the previous race, give everybody one lap, sort of a little warm up to feel how the course looks. And then they're on the starting line and boom, off they go. Um, and that goes on from 10, 30, 11 o'clock to about 8.15 generally is our last, ends, ends the last race of the day. So you mentioned the junior races are five days. The the hand cyclists are four days. Are those people competing all of the days of those events or are they kind of the days you're free? Are there some people that are biking for all 11 days? How does that work? That's a super question. Um, generally in the junior series and the hand cycle series, they race the entire series. I mean, you could race one race. Anybody can race one race if they want to. But a lot of them are coming from about 30, about right about 30% of our racers now are from um, from Wisconsin. Everybody else comes from somewhere else. 40 plus states, close to a dozen countries come here to race their bikes in the state of Wisconsin. Um, our average racer races five and a half to six days of the 11. So yeah, hand cycles, four days, they're going to be here for all four days unless there's an injury or something sure. like that. Juniors, all five days, yes. Um, then we have uh, we have two, like, we break the series up into two. So we have five days, and then that series ends, and then we start another series of six days. If you sign up and race all 11 days, we have something brand new this year called the Holy Cow. <laughs> so on the Holy Cow, the people that ride the, race the Holy Cow are going to get this way cool belt buckle you know some of the big races leadville there's all these different events where they award these gigantic belt buckles so we're going to have a holy cow belt buckle that you can earn by racing all 11 days and you get a free day of racing that way so you you pay for 10 and you get 11 days but um and i'd say about 15 percent of our total racers of that a of that thousand people will race all 11 days wow Okay. So you mentioned 30% of the people are from Wisconsin. And I guess when I heard that, I thought, wow, that's low. I thought that would be higher, but that just goes to show how national and international of an event this is. And I guess my question then is how did this event sort of become a part of the national racing scene? You know, how did it kind of grow from your guys idea into this national multinational event? Well, really, most of it came from once we started putting my picture on our posters, <laughs> everybody said, hey, we really want to go where Bill Coke is, right? Um, no, that's, I, think, I think the magic really is the fact that it's 11 days. And it's 11 days, and I will, you know, pat myself or ourselves on the back a little bit saying, we run a really great show. It has to wide acclaim. Um, you know, we, you, said, you said something about, I bet you 2,000. 23 looks a lot different than 2009 did. So, you know, we're always trying to improve, improve, improve. What do we do that makes it look a little bit better, a little more pro, offering that global awesome race experience for everybody, whether you're a nine-year-old, you're a Paralympian, you're a novice female, or you're a pro, you get that same general experience. Um, but it really is a, the, the ability to race for five to 11 days in a row is really it's unmatched around the country there's a race in chicago that's 10 days we actually started that race and then just a couple of us stayed on to do that one as well but an example would be in australia they love track racing and 
Criterium Racing is a really great high intensity training ground for track racers. So early on, the Australians realized, hey, we're going to go to America. We can race at Tour of America's Dairyland. We can wait three weeks, go down to Chicago and race the Intelligentsia Cup, and then go back home and we're ready for our track season on the opposite side of the calendar and the way seasons run. So uh, I think that's taken on and sort of a, a bit of an attraction of its own uh, for track races. We had the Japanese women's Olympic track team that came over here several years ago now and they came here just to race our 11 days and then they went back to japan when it was over um we only saw them once we'd love to have them back someday but uh um so i think that's really what helped create the appeal and then word of mouth and people talk about it. and people strangely enough talk about the fact dude every day after the race you get free chocolate milk man that is awesome <laughs> Can't now, I don't know if I travel across the world for just free chocolate milk, but Some would. whatever works. <laughs> so how do you, how do you guys pull this off then? You mean, you mentioned the volunteers, the staff you need, um, who's, who's besides you and your team. I mean, tell me about the volunteers and the staffing that you need every day to get this turned over. You said it's sort of like bike in a box and you take it from one day to the next, but I'd imagine that's a, a finely tuned machine that a lot of people are helping to make happen, right? Uh, yeah. Um, I think there's one, actually there's two words. There's, there's one that's probably appropriate for everybody. And there's the other one that drives me. So the first one for everybody is passion. And the second one that drives me fun. So if you can have something that you're passionate about and have fun doing, then you're going to come back year after year after year. We have four business partners. We started with six years ago. We lost four, picked up another two. Tom Schuler and I have been there since ground zero. Um, but the people that work and help us year long, they don't get paid a ton of money, but they just love doing it. It's just something mm -hmm. that they enjoy being a part of. And I, I know that I can speak for them when I say that. Um, and we look for that with our local partners. We want enthusiasm. We don't want it to feel like, hey, we got to have this event in our city. It's we want to have it in our city. Um, communities like Shorewood, Grafton, Downer, Wauwatosa, Janesville. It's their biggest community event all year long is the bike race. You know, it's a unique form of entertainment where you can walk right up to the barricades and fences and watch these races go by at crazy speed sometime um and if there's a mass of 50 to sometimes 100 120 riders going by in one group it'll make i don't have any hair in my head so it won't <laughs> do that for me but for you it'll make your hair stand up on on your head it's uh it's just uh exhilarating so i think all of that and then our sponsors you know quick trip and so many others where if it wasn't for the for the uh, sponsorship dollars that came in to afford us to do these things that we do to make it a great great experience for everybody you know, it wouldn't happen. So it's really a combination of all those things and just figuring out how to keep it going year after year after year. So that was going to tie into my next question, the, the financial of funding an event like this. You mentioned that uh, all of the different communities are invested, the different sponsors support, but it, it takes a few dollars to, to bring an event like this to life, right? Right, right. So we have three, what we call buckets of revenue, I guess. We have sponsorship dollars and we probably have this year, 25 plus paying sponsors. Um, the communities um, pay us a fee to bring the bring the, the band to town and then the racer writer entry fees. 
So that's where all the cash comes in. Um, and, you know, we just probably try to just do a little bit more every year to say this is sort of beyond expectations. So, you know, if we keep trying to stay ahead of the ball a little bit and figuring out what's that next thing we can do that somebody may not be expecting us to do, it just makes it better. Well, I don't think we're stopping making chocolate milk anytime soon. So I think that good news That's really good news. is in good hands there. So you mentioned uh, the fans, the people that get to come out and watch it and how you get to be so up close, you know, on the gate, on the fence, there, watching these people fly by on the, on the bicycles. What, what's your advice to a fan, someone that wants to come out, what, no matter what stage it is, what does it cost? What do you want to bring? How do you best enjoy a day as a fan? I think show up early and stay till the last <laughs> lights go out, do everything. The fun thing about this is, so it's called Criterium Racing. We call it CRIT for short, C-R-I-T. Um, a CRIT or a Criterium is defined by the UCI, I believe it's the UCI, which is the international governing body, as not less than six-tenths of a mile or one kilometer. And there's really not an upside on it. But the the sort of the, the sweet spot is less than a mile and at least six tenths of a mile because it keeps the action in front of the crowd every three to four minutes. The race is coming by. So, you know, you can wander away, get a bratwurst, you know, grab a soda, go have your kids face painted somewhere, um, hang out with some friends and come back. But it, the action is always going on in the background. So, we have on our website, there's actually a, a section, I think it's called Bike Racing 101. Uh, if you don't know what's going on, it's kind of fun to, to kind of look at that and understand exactly what the dynamics are going on out there. Because while it looks like it's just one mass of riders at times, there's strategies with the teams. You know, if somebody's up the road, off the front of it, his teammates or their, her teammates are going to slow down the race pack as much as they can to try to prevent them from catching their teammate that's up front and then might have a chance of winning the race. But there's just a lot of different things that are happening within the race. Um, and then of course, the finish line is always exhilarating. You know, when they're sprinting for the finish and a race has been averaging 22 to 28 miles an hour, all of a sudden is ramped up to 30 to 40 miles an hour in the finishing sprint, it's pretty wild to see. So that the the winning of the races, obviously, that's what a lot of these competitors are are there to try to do. Is it you win prizes for each stage? Is it over the course of the eleven day competition? How does the the prize and some of the the winnings that can be uh, brought home work on, on that end? Yeah, and the answer is yes to all of those. So there's daily prize purse. There are races, uh, one lap races within the race that we call a prime. It's spelled P-R-I-M-E, like prime, but it's pronounced prime. Some people spell it P-R-E-M-E. Some people spell it P-R-E-E-M. But they're cash prizes generally that are offered for the next person in the main group that crosses the finish line. And they announce it with a bell, and it goes just one lap, and boom. Um, in Janesville, for instance, they raised $20,000 to be awarded in premiums just for the day in Janesville. And that's added on top of the prize purse. Um, there's always a podium after every race. We have leaders jerseys, quick trip is on. Well, they're on all the jerseys, but there's some big quick trip jersey spots. Uh, spots. 
And then we have probably eight other Jersey sponsors. And those are race categories are called Omniums. Um, those will go on for the five days, the six days that that series is in effect. Uh, at the end of every day, there's a first, second, and third place prize that's awarded. First place daily gets a nice bottle of milk. Milk bottle. Uh, we used to put some milk in here. Now we just give them a quart of Nature's Touch, and then they can take this, and that's exactly it. And um, so they get that. Um, they'll get the leader's jersey if they maintained it for the day. Um, second place gets coffee. Third place gets cheese. Um, and then at the end of the series, if you win the overall, you get a beautiful trophy. I don't have one, but I know C Teresa Clark has three of them in her office. I've seen them, yes. Um, <laughs> so you get one of those, um, and you get just bigger sizes of everything. Generally, a cheese wheel for first place. Um, actually, if there's anybody who listens to this and they're interested in, um, in uh, sponsoring us with some nice cheese wheels from Wisconsin... This year, we're looking for a cheese wheel provider still. Uh, that's one gap that we have. But in, for instance, Colectivo is a local coffee chain here in Milwaukee and Madison. And you get a one pound bag of their coffee for second place daily. But if you win the overall, and you, or not win, if you take second place overall, you get a five pound bag of their beans. Nice. So, yeah, there's some pr pretty sweet swag that, that gets tossed on. And let's talk about then the chocolate milk for a second. Like we've been joking about it a little bit, but there are a lot of cyclists that swear by it about a, as a recovery fuel. Um, what is it about the chocolate milk that makes it as sort of that perfect post-race drink? Yeah, it's the, it's that protein and the carbohydrates, the protein you need to replenish your body, the carbohydrates, just because you've been, you've expended a bunch of energy and you really need to replenish your body with something. Um, chocolate milk is, it's, I'd say, you know, we call it the perfect recovery drink. Is it absolutely the perfect recovery drink? I don't know. Scientists might argue some of that, but the fact that it's so accessible, right? And if you're, if you're blessed with living in Wisconsin or Minnesota or Iowa, there are like quick trips everywhere, or quick stars everywhere. And it's so convenient for you in the middle of the ride, towards the end of your ride, you know, you're heading home, whatever, you're stopping, you're getting some bananas to fuel your ride. You're getting chocolate milk when it's over with. You're getting, I don't know, maybe you're getting uh, some fried chicken. I love your fried chicken. <laughs> I mean, it could be any, you know, there's so much to offer there. But chocolate milk is just that perfect, easy thing to help you refuel um, at the end of a day of, of hard work. And so, I don't know if you're familiar with the argument of brown cap versus green cap. Uh, I don't know about the argument, but I think green is reduced calorie. Correct. And so I would say the, the brown cap here is the full fat. It's the, it's the good stuff. And if you're spending that much energy on a bike, I think you could afford to pop for the, for the full fat, the, the brown cap, the good stuff, right? I think you should. I think you deserve it. Like, why go for the, you know, I mean, I was in the dairy business for 10 years. So I, you know, I fully get the whole thing of, you know, people asking me, where does low fat milk come from? I'm like, duh. <laughs> uh, but, that's, but, you know, the brown cow and the white, the white cow and all that other stuff and milk and strawberry milk. How do you deal with that? Um, but, um, yeah, I, I definitely, I think they're both great. 
So if you're stopping at Quick Trip before a race, what do you typically get to to fuel up for for a day on the bike? Um, the good bananas for sure. Bananas for potassium. For potassium, water. Okay. You know, if you need water, if you're somebody who wants to fuel with a little energy drink, you guys have got a Quick Trip has a huge selection of of different energy drinks. You know, anywhere from the the sort of more standard traditional stuff like a Gatorade or and then I think there's always that sort of section in the store where they've got things like uh, granola bars, energy bars, um, those types of things that you can stock up with. And, you know, if you're going to be out in the country and you're not sure, you might need something besides a credit card. Hey, they got no fee ATMs at Quick Trip. And you can always, I always tell people, does that mean you can get, we had an Australian rider who came and she said, should they have free cash at Quick Trip? I said, no, you don't get the money for free, but they don't charge you a fee to access your money. She says, oh, okay, that's better. Nothing is, nothing's actually free except the chocolate milk we hand out after the races. And then once in a while, you know, to to reward yourself with a glazer, donut isn't such a bad way to go. Some of those simple sugars afterwards that you can break down. Yeah. Yeah. So. So the the race is coming up um, starting on June 15th. So we've got a couple of weeks between now and when that first gets going. You're still looking for uh, a few more registrants to to get um, into the different days. Uh, you, I, you mentioned your website earlier. It's it's a phenomenal website. There's all the information you need there. Everything that you would need to get registered. Uh, it's right at touroforamericasdairyland.com. But in the in the three weeks leading up to the race or however much time we have here what's kind of the the last focus for for you guys on the on the director side of things to make sure that everything is buttoned up and ready to go for the races i think the the, the we have a little tab on our website called get involved titled get involved and that is really all about volunteers so you know we're pushing uh, a big strong um, effort at volunteer course marshals for the various communities if you want to do something like that it's usually a fun way to spend a couple of hours all the links for the communities are on our website so you can just go there and sign up for even you know we take you five minutes and you've got a shift if you want to do something like that we're always looking for host families our riders especially our international riders but our pro riders it's a very very expensive endeavor for them so being able to stay somewhere without a cost of a hotel is really important for them. Um, so having host families who are willing to put up one racer, two racers, 10 racers, one day, five days, 11 days, whatever you think that you can deal with. Um, again, keeping in mind that it's relatively closer to the Milwaukee area and not Madison or La Crosse. Um, you know, that's an important thing as well. And then we have these race ambassadors where they get some really, uh, what's the what's the word, bougie. My daughter loves to <laughs> say this word these days. Some really bougie clothes, hat, uh, shirt, stuff like that. And they wander around the crowd, just hand out things to people, answer questions. You know, we educate you on some of the different dynamics that are going on in the race and things along that line. And then finally, just spectators. You know, we love to see spectators. This year, Quick Trip actually helped with two of our other sponsors, Boucher Automotive and Reinhardt Burner Law Offices in Milwaukee to have our first ever billboard campaign. We'll be starting the 3rd of June. They'll be on billboards around this kind of part of the state going up as far north as maybe Manitowoc and out towards Janesville. Um, but just advertising the different events to try to get more people to come out and watch. It's, it's 
way different than the 4th of July parade, Christmas parade, all those things that fireworks that you're used to going to, which are a total blast. But if you're looking for something a little bit different, it's, it's just a, a really fun way to spend a day. So I had a question in my head after you were talking about the international racers. I can imagine it being an expensive endeavor to come overseas and then try to find a hotel for 10, 11 nights. So those host families are are huge in, in, for them in particular. But I don't know if I've ever seen someone get on a plane with a bicycle. How do you fly your bike in from overseas? What's, what's that process like? Uh, they have these cool little bike boxes. Oh, you just break uh, it down and like put yeah. it all in a compartment some of them are really big where you don't have to do too much to really get them in there but then you have to pay oftentimes a little bit more money to transport and transport those on a plane um, i've got one it's called a soft case um, and you basically just take the the wheels off put them in a wheel bag you take uh, the handlebars off um, sometimes people take their derailleur off just to protect it uh, and then there's generally some sort of a stand that it will clamp into inside the box. Um, you wrap it, there's a lot of foam and things like that. Pack it together and then for a sweet $130 each way, it's on your bike. Now there's also a, there's an option called bike flights. They do it. I don't know what they actually charge for, but we've got a relationship with them. That's on our website. Uh, UPS and FedEx will ship bikes. Um, a lot of times though, the challenge with that is you have to get it shipped a week to 14 days in advance of your arrival, and then it could take just as long getting back. Uh, whereas if you pack your bike yourself and take it on the plane with you, you know that by the time you get off and claim your luggage and that oversized luggage door that opens up in the airport, you know, your bike box is hopefully going to come through there too. Okay. I've seen people with skis and golf clubs and those types yeah. of things, but I guess I've never thought to look that, you know, someone's box could have a bike inside of it, but yeah. I guess that makes sense. Yeah. They're generally about 14 inches wide and I don't know, probably four and a half feet long, something like that. Huh. If you see those in an airport, nine times out of 10, it's going to be a bike in there. Very cool. Well, anything else we we missed, Bill, about uh, the Quick Trip Tour of America's Dairyland that's uh, coming up here in June? I think just to say thanks to Quick Trip, I, I you know it's been a great relationship. The people that there, uh, Teresa's been our sort of contact point forever and a day. Teresa Clark, the support that they've provided and just the recognition of the name is is just invaluable for for what we do, and it's an easy connection. It's you've got to a phenomenal reputation out there. Yeah, we're all appreciative. Well, sounds good. Well, Bill Koch, the executive director and founding partner of the Quick Trip Tour of America's Dairyland, all the information on that awesome race coming up. You can find it at tourofamericasdairyland.com. Bill, we appreciate your time. Best of luck with everything in the lead up to the race. And we'll see you uh, in Southeast Milwaukee coming up in June. Sounds great, Chris. Thanks so much. Thanks, Bill. And we'll see you next time. You got it. Thanks for listening to the QuickCast. Hey, we'll see you next time.